Welcome to The Things We Say. I'm Sheldon. And I'm Nate. This is a topical podcast where the topics are chosen at random. Sometimes they will be profound, and sometimes they will be stupid. But no matter what, we have a lot to say about them. We are known for the things we do. We become the things we think. We live the things we believe. These are the things we say. We're back to saying stuff. Yes. I'm, I'm Sheldon. And I'm Nate. Hey. And this is episode 44, I Ooh. think. 44 or 45? Is it 45? It's I feel 45. like it's 45. Yeah. I was just thinking today that the topics are not chosen at random. The topics are chosen. <laughs> that sounds like we have a hat. And we're pulling. We could do that. We're pulling though. random topics out of a. Hat. We could do that. We should do that. Oh, this for is a couple episode of months. forty-five. You're right. Okay, we should do that for a couple of months, where we just kind of do like a scenes from the hat, and we just we put a bunch <laughs> of subjects in there and just pick a random one and just go. There we go. Yeah, because again, this, if nothing else, this show is all about the fact that Sheldon and I are full of useless and random information. Well, and opinions. And opinions. I think yeah. you could give us a topic, and we could have an opinion. Opinion on, on any of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. This Thanksgiving, I walked in on a conversation at Jessica's family's gathering, and they were like, Sheldon, what do you think about this? And I'm like, hold on, I'm, I'm getting something. I want to share my opinion on that. <laughs> and I come back into it, and Jess was like, I'm like, what was that? I want to know. And she's like, it was something about when I was eight. Like, you weren't even around. You don't have an opinion. I'm like, yes, that shouldn't stop me from sharing mine. <laughs> So it's an interesting thing how opinions are formed. And actually, that's one of the things we'll talk about tonight, because uh, one of the things we're going to talk about after Sheldon does his Did You Know, we're going to kind of talk about traditions, family traditions that we had. Yes. We've just come out of Thanksgiving. We're heading mm -hmm. into Christmas and just talking about, you know, the things that stuck, the things that we thought were corny, the things that we thought were great mm -hmm. and uh, and just what not what really growing up, but like what family traditions, what consistent things were happening around the holidays for us. So instead of hearing Sheldon and I rant about me loving Christmas and him hating it and him loving uh, Thanksgiving and me thinking, eh, it's to eat a lot of food, we'll actually talk about the good things that we both have from both of those things. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> My uh, did you know this week kind of goes back to um, Thanksgiving and like its foundations. Mm. Um, but the story that I was not at all familiar with until this week was of Sarah Josepha Hale. Um, she was, she was fairly active in like the 1840s to 1860s range, mm -hmm. uh, as, as an editor and a novelist. And one of the things that I found interesting was her particular take on abolition of slavery it was very interesting. She was from the Northeast, um, and she was one of the first women novelists in, in the United States. And she said this about slavery in 1852. She said, The great error of those who would sever the Union rather than see a slave within its borders is that they forget the master is their brother as well as the servant, and that the spirit which seeks to do good to all and evil to none is the only true Christian philanthropy. Mm. And she was basically saying, listen, you got to remember that these people in the South are also your brothers. And when you say you're going to do good, you, you want to do good to all. Yeah. So making war, while it may be a last resort, is not necessarily the best aim. Yeah. And That's interesting. Yeah. And yeah, that is the thing you always forget is is even even over issues of like enmity, like we are biblically mandated to love our enemies. It's not to say that we're not going to have enemies or people who have set yeah. themselves against us, but we're still not allowed to hate. Like, that's the reality of it, um, and often the thing that we miss. She said, it says the book overall described that while slavery hurts and dehumanizes slaves, absolutely, it also dehumanizes the masters yeah. and retards their world's psychological, moral, and technological progress. Yeah. Which is very true. When you're leaning on slave labor, you won't invent something that yeah. can do what they're currently doing. Right. Well, that's and why so the, you end up being stuck in a moral system and yeah. that allows for it and a technology <laughs> system that allows for it. Well, and that's one of the things that was so interesting because if you really look at the era of the Civil War, 
part of the biggest the biggest discrepancy between the North and the South was industry. The South had none. I mean, they literally yeah. had none. They had no machine shops. They had no people that were experienced with that kind of thing. That was a Northern industry entirely. Uh, and a lot of resources uh, came from uh, from the North. You know, coal country was in the North. Uh, you know, any any form, forms of electrical power, hydroelectric was in the North. It did not exist uh, in the South. And they did. They did. They relied. I mean, even the cotton gin, which had been around forever, was not something that was typically used because they just had they had slaves that would do it and it yeah and it gave an excuse for a laborer an excuse to continue growing that so yeah that's that is a very interesting thing um she to think wrote about. she wrote the nursery rhyme mary had a little lamb <laughs> which was originally titled mary's lamb and she put it in the ladies magazine which she was an editor of out of boston um and it was mary mary had a little lamb was the opening lines of Mary Had a Little Lamb was the first speech ever recorded into Thomas Edison's mm. phonograph. I knew that, but I had forgotten about that. Yes. So how does the writer of Mary Had a Little Lamb and all of that tie into Thanksgiving? Wikipedia says that she may be the individual most responsible for making Thanksgiving a national holiday in the United States. It had previously been celebrated only in New England, and up there, each state would have it on a different kind day. Of their own thing. So it could be as early as October and as late as January, and it was whatever each state had. And it was only in the Northeast, and it was largely unknown in the South. Yeah. It was not a part of Southern culture. Thanksgiving wasn't. Huh. So she had, for about 17 years, advocated to successful presidents that they need to make a national Thanksgiving holiday. And it was kind of, a she wanted to see it as a unifying thing. Yeah. And it actually did become a unifying thing after the Civil War and, and really became part of the American DNA after the Civil War. But she wrote letters to Zachary Taylor, Miller Fillmore, Franklin Pierce, James Buchanan, and Abraham Lincoln. Huh. Uh, the last letter is the one that convinced the president, and Lincoln was the first to respond to her, and it convinced him to establish a national holiday of Thanksgiving in 1863. And if you haven't yet, this Thanksgiving, read Abe Lincoln's Thanksgiving Day Address. It's like all of other Lincoln's speeches, short, readable, <laughs> and awesome. Yeah. Incredibly awesome. Yeah. So if you get a chance... Uh, that's pretty, that's pretty sweet. Bef and we can thank her because before Thanksgiving, there was only two holidays celebrated in the United States. Okay. I'm going to guess. I'm okay. going to guess. Okay. Uh, Independence Day. That's one. And another national holiday. I'm going to go with, is it one that we still observe today? Yes. Not under the same name. I guess it is, kind of. The first thing I'm wanting to think is Washington's birthday, but I don't think that's correct. You're correct. I am? Yes. Awesome. There you go. Washington's birthday and Independence Day, and then nice. Thanksgiving. So, yeah. She also preserved uh, George Washington's Mount Vernon plantation because she felt like it would unify the North and the South, and it was a monument they could all get behind. Yeah. Goes back to our discussion about monuments. Yeah. And let me, what, a, let me, what a fantastic legacy, though. Very much I, so. I love it. Very much so. And I found it interesting when she was hired to be an editor of Ladies Magazine. Yeah. She wanted to be called an editress, not <laughs> an editor. There you go. Wanted to make like, the distinction. How many female editors today would want to be called an editress? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's one of the things that I think is interesting because I, a lot of feminism has, has taken female versions or, 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 I'm sorry, feminized names of things. So actress is no yeah. longer so much in the common vernacular. I mean, it still is, but there's been a push to move away from that for a long time. Yeah. Same things with, with things like that. Like I, uh, I, I, I listened to somebody that was talking about, and he, he refused, he was talking about sewing, and he refused to wor use the word seamstress. He yeah. said sewers or tailors. And I'm like, no, it is seamstress. Like that is the word, and it's okay. But I liked it because... In my mind, it, it, it's not a separation, it's a distinction. And yeah. I know those are similar words, but I mean that in the, in the sense of like, 
honoring. As in distinguishing. Because you're pointing out, like, no, this is a woman that's done this. And in an era when it was not common for women to be doing things like that, it was important to know, you know, if you want to talk about inspiring other women or inspiring younger girls, it was important to know that a woman was specifically responsible for something and doing something that was outside the norm. And so having that distinctive, instead of saying, oh, no, we'll just hide you behind the editor name, uh, I like that. That's good. That's good. And I I do think, getting off on a little bit of a tangent here, but I do think erasing the distinctions does harm women in some ways, especially if we're going to continue down this trail in sports. Yeah. I was reading something this weekend about they were comparing uh, high school boys' swimming records against women's swimming records in the Olympics. Yeah. And if you're going to throw everybody together... There's women no, are not going if you're going to let men compete in women's sports and women compete in men's sports and all of that it's it's not going to end up well no. like you're going to end up hurting the very people that you claim to be helping right like <clears throat> i i honor and respect the women's game like it it takes so much effort and hard work to be at the top of the women's sports they yeah. should be honored they should yes. be getting medals <clears throat> For working as hard as they do. And just because some high school boy is genetically gifted to be able to swim doesn't mean he should get the same honor. Yeah. I mean, that that to me is just garbage. Yeah. Like, she's, it should reward people that really put in the hard work and dedication and spend a lifetime doing these things. Right. Whether or not you're genetically gifted. I, I get that, you know, but you should compete against someone that's yeah. your peer. It needs to be a... As, as level playing field as possible. Yeah. And you cannot do that by pitting men against women in, in physical uh, feats of physical strength. It's just, yeah. it's just a genetic reality. And again, there are exceptions to that and rule. And you also can't put men uh, in the Miss, Miss America competition. Sorry, we don't. Yeah. I don't. Nobody wants to see no, that. No. Nobody we're wants not, to see we're that. We're not good. No. You know, in that no. sphere. Great. No. You know? No. <laughs> Can I just mention too that I I will I I I said a few weeks ago that I believe that football will be the first sport to have a woman actually play okay professionally um I'm not going to retract that but I will say that the advent of Steph Curry has changed a little bit of my opinion of the NBA because he is a guy who should not be anybody in the NBA but because of where what rule changes have been and the fact that he is such a phenomenal shooter, if you could get a woman that could stay on the outside all the time like like he mostly does, maybe. Again, they would be gunning for her. Yeah. But maybe. And uh, but that's a that's a long distance to huck a ball too. I mean yeah. Steph Curry's a freak. <laughs> he just is a freak. He man. just walks on the floor anywhere and can knock it down. He's so a freak. We, anyway. we've gotten Way off track, but Not that's way a great, off track. Uh, way so off track. with that, did you know, there's been a couple uh, things that we've thought about. And one is there's a lot of people whose stories haven't inspired us throughout history. There's different people like if you sat, if you had the thing, you know, if you could sit down to dinner with three historical characters, who would they be? Mm. And, and those kinds of things. So oh, like, yeah. We could come up with those pretty readily. And it's because some of these stories have really fascinated us, have grown on us, have become a part of who we are. And we'd like to share some of those stories with you. So we're going to intersperse those through the next couple episodes and maybe make a run on them here for a bit of, of storytelling of some of our favorite characters, Yeah. Uh, whether they're modern characters or characters from history. Um, I, I just think the time has come for us to get a little creative yeah. uh, with the format and start telling Instead of some always stories. ranting. Yeah, it, it can't <laughs> always be rant. Sometimes we can tell stories. And I think, I think that's why uh, our Titanic podcast was so successful, the first one, the conspiracy yeah. theory. And uh, your conspiracy theory about Patton was, was also yeah. very popular. And that's because we love the story so much that we, we enjoyed telling it. Right. And, I, and I think there's, there's something that the rest of you all identify with yeah. when, when you listen to that. Like yeah. if we're, we're excited about it and passionate about it, we want to try it. So. Well, and I'm always excited to get anybody else remotely interested in history. And I feel like that's what good storytelling is, is, yeah. is giving a window on a time that was not your own and realizing that people existed before you and people will exist after you. And it's important to remember that. So we've ranted about that in a general way and kind of thrown out names here and there, but yeah. I think it's, 
it's time to drill down into some of those stories and give them the time that they deserve. All so, right. Yeah. yeah. That's what's coming up. A little teaser yes, for you yes. guys. Yeah. All right. So as I mentioned before, we've just come out of Thanksgiving. We're heading into uh, the Christmas season, New Year. And so we're just going to kind of talk about some of those traditions that we had growing up, uh, yeah. what made those those times special, uh, what family was like. And I've come to the realization that I, I jokingly asked our choir this morning uh, about, said, you know, how was your Thanksgiving? And everybody, oh, it was good, it was good. No, no fights over religion or politics around your tables. And I had a few go, uh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but it, but it's, it's true. It's uh, all too often uh, holidays are a time of strife for a lot of extended families. Um, yeah. And so I just was kind of curious, like, what Sheldon's experience has been with that, what mine has been with that. <laughs> I, I feel like we have some similarities in some ways, okay, but not in others. Okay, how many Thanksgivings do you go to currently? Currently, I only go to uh, regularly. I'll go with regularly because there are some outliers where we do other things. But I currently go to Thanksgiving with my wife's parents and, yeah. her, and her family, which is... It's usually the immediate family, but sometimes, you know, siblings and, and uh, not siblings, uh, aunts and uncles and everything come in and are at my, my in-law's house. And we do my parents and my immediate family. That's it. That's what we so do. So two Thanksgivings, basically. Yes, that's what I we do. I have two as well, both sides of our family. So like our immediate family. Yeah. We don't have a lot of extended family out here on my Stauffer side, so... Yeah. yeah. It used it, to be very different than that. It did. But Before now, we moved, it was it was quite a bit different. Yeah. But, yeah, we're down to two. Yes. I think that's kind of the stage we are in marriage. But I think when we were newly married, we tried to do a lot of Yeah. Well, that was of one of the interesting things because the majority of my wife's family is there's a, a lot of them on the, the mast side are here in, in this area, kind of Holmes County area and whatnot. Um and there are not a lot of them. I think I think Ken is one of, is he one of five? I think he's one of five kids. Um, so they're all here, and they do things, and we go there, and and uh, and it's fine. And and uh, however, Joy, my mother-in-law, as I've mentioned, is one of thirteen children, and and most of them are in uh, Virginia. Uh, some in Pennsylvania. There are some who live overseas in I think Paraguay and Honduras. Yeah. Um, but. It is a it's a madhouse when you go with that whole clan because there's just so many and there's lots of great food and there's lots of noise and craziness. There's great food on both sides of the family though. Um, but when we first got married, uh, Kayla's family had always gone to um, Virginia for Christmas on actual Christmas. Like that's what they do. They'd load up as soon as the night they were off school. They would drive to Virginia and they and would Christmas spend like a was week. In Virginia. For Christmas them. was in Virginia, and. That was a really interesting thing to come into when we got married because I had been, even though I'm the oldest of my siblings, I was the last one to get married. And so by the time we, by the time I got married, we had already established this pattern of like, we'll go to extended family things when they're convenient, but the important thing is immediate family because our family was growing and our family had changed. And, uh, and so marrying into Kayla's family where she was the first of her siblings to get married and there was still this expectations. Well, yeah, we go to Virginia. It's like, well, no, like that's a, that's a, you'd spend as much time driving as you do there. And then as much time driving back, I was like, that's crazy. And we did it for the first few years, I think. Uh, and then having kids and everything complicated that even yeah. more. Uh, but it was interesting having a set pattern of how I viewed it and having to accommodate and adjust to, the stage that my wife's family was at, which was different. Um, that was very, very interesting. And we were on the younger end of the spectrum on uh, one side and on the middle of the other. So it was just a very different dynamic, her family to my family. Um, but yeah, so, so we will occasionally do, like for Christmas, if we can go to Virginia, we still will. Yeah. We do go. We're not going this year. I don't think we went last year. Um, we were up there for a family or down there for a family reunion, uh, not that long ago. So, you know, there's this trade off and there's still this kind of, we have to talk it out and feel it out. And, and I need to be more accommodating than not where this is yeah, concerned. I, I find it interesting because a lot of people's Christmas traditions are formed when they're young and they try and repeat that as close as possible, as long as possible. So your teenage Christmases are 
going to look a lot like your younger yeah. years Christmases. And everybody tries to repeat that. And then you get married or you move. Right. And you put some distance there or you put somebody else in the mix. Your Christmases are just not going to They're be the same. Change. Your Thanksgivings are not going to be the same. Yeah. And the bigger your families are, the more difficult that's going to be. Yeah. Well, and I, I felt bad because when my... And if, there, if you're a blended family, it's even... Oh, even it's, more so. It's, it's even more so. You can say worse because I think that's just the reality. I, well, I you get more presents. Yeah. Well, that's there are, there are that. I actually feel bad, and I've never actually said anything to them about this, but I, I feel kind of... I've felt kind of guilty because I gave... We gave... Not we... Well, maybe we we basically gave my, my brother and sister-in-law when they first got married a whole lot of grief because they didn't come to extended family things. Yeah. And it didn't make sense because that's just what we'd always done. But but she, uh, my, my sister-in-law came from a blended family, and so therefore there were other things, you know, going on there. Uh, like, you know, she had to spend Christmas with dad, Christmas with mom, Christmas with dad, parents, mom's parents, and they were, and they were you know, different dynamics going on there too. Um, and so... We gave we gave some grief over that and really shouldn't have and and now in hindsight I'm like yeah that was unreasonable yeah. to think but it was new like we didn't know what we were doing and you know neither did they we were just trying to balance it all out um, so yeah that was that was an interesting thing for us early on uh, but by the time I got married that was all smooth sailing we all so, understood so how that worked coming into the Christmas season yeah have grace for those people that have moved yes or have recently gotten married or have gotten married in the last couple of years yeah. Like, they're trying. They really are they're trying to figure they're, they're it not, out. They don't hate all of you. Yeah, let them figure it out. <laughs> Give them time. Yeah, you'll be there too at some point. Anyway, <laughs> but yeah. So let's let's talk about that first. Let's talk about traditions that we had that we no longer do extended okay. family wise. Let's start with that. Yeah, we used to do Christmases at my my grandparents and Thanksgiving too. Like side. we'll go both both directions. With yeah, that. and we would sleep at grandma's overnight. Um, we would go and carol the night before. That was part of my okay. Christmas experience. So we would stay at Grandma's, and we'd arrive there sometime in the afternoon, eat supper there, and then uh, we would go out caroling in the evening. And we would all load up in Grandpa's Suburban and my parents' Suburban and whoever's else and head off. And all of us kids are in the back, you know, yeah. with all my cousins and everything. And there was a couple of people that we would go sing for, and most of them had either a special needs um, kid or, or someone with Down syndrome. Mm. Uh, my my grandparents are awesome. They worked with people that had Down syndrome for years. They had a, a thing called Game Night that they helped run, and that was where all the people in the area that cared for Down syndrome people would bring them to the church, and they would have games and and. Uh, Games and like talent competition type nice. stuff, and it was just a, a rip roaring good time. <laughs> and and my grandparents loved it, like poured their heart and soul into it, and they would like hold a supper for them and that kind of thing. And I I think the church helped out quite a bit yeah. too, but they were kind of at the point. So we would go out and on Thanksgiving and and go to um, homes and just sing, just our family people that that were either like kind of distant relatives or somebody that grandma and grandpa knew. Yeah. I don't I don't always know who these people were. Yeah, you just knew you were going. I know that we kind of went to some of the same spots, and I think they may have been family. I need to consult my <laughs> the rest of my family exactly what we were doing. But I know we had a lot of fun yeah. doing that. And it was like, well, nobody really likes caroling because yeah. the whole thing is kind of awkward. But I was always glad to spend that amount of time with my cousins. I was glad to do something new and different yeah. and it was part of Christmas. So. All the memories were formed in the suburbans going oh, yeah. in between the that places. That was the first time I ever listened to anything on headphones. Oh. My cousin Sheila had uh, the brand new Jars of Clay tape Nice on headphones and the first song I listened to on headphones was Flood. Yeah, which was so. the only song from Jars of Clay that anyone ever listened to. That's not true. <laughs> I feel Me like it Jess is. I still love them even when I got married and I still have most of their CDs. I you know, I honestly I could not name another Jars of Clay song Matt, other Matt than Matt Hazeltine is a fantastic lyricist. Yeah. And if and if my funeral contains less than 2 Jars of Clay songs, I'm going to be sad <laughs> even though I'm in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> So there you go. Anyway, so yes, that was very formative. Like yeah. that, that was a lot of good time spent. And then we would go back 
And we would, all of us kids would sleep in the finished basement. Now, was this, a, was this the Stauffer? I, or yeah, the Stauffer okay. side and my dad's family. Okay. All of us kids would sleep in the basement. And then um, my parents had bedrooms upstairs and their parents had bedrooms upstairs. And so um, we, would, we would watch cartoons until our eyes bled. Yeah. And then when we couldn't watch cartoons anymore, we just fell asleep in sleeping bags and whatever. Like that was pretty much what we did. We watched as much TV as we could get our eyes on yeah. until we fell asleep. <laughs> and then we'd wake up early and we'd go jump on Grandpa to wake him up and get us down there to do presents. Yeah. So. Huh. Which, so, did your family make a huge production out of the present giving? <sighs> did, was your, is your family a free-for-all family? No. Not a free-for-all? No, there's, there's always been order. And there's, is there individual celebration over each gift? It's like, oh, look at there. Everybody sees each not, gift? Not necessarily. Do you pile it's, the gifts in front just, of the people? It's just that everybody is doing their individual thing. So, like, okay, so we would always do, like, youngest to oldest. And we still do this with my parents. Youngest to oldest. I think so youngest to oldest Hillary has would to open. be the way all gifts yeah, go. Hillary would open, Caleb would open, I would open, Mom would open, Dad would open. So, and then we just go back around the horn. So you were always focused on the person that was getting the thing. And then sometimes, so like... everybody saw it. Yeah, yeah, so, like, there was a year that me and my brother got BB guns and... Uh, bow and arrows. We open those each at the same time because obviously gotcha. I can't open after him because then I'm going to know what it is, which has its element of fun, but it gets old real quick. Yeah. So no, it wasn't like a big production like, oh, we're going to all take pictures of you guys now and you as it's happening, you're going to be the sole focus. Let's get video of you. No, it was just, it's your turn. Go ahead. P pick one and open it kind of deal. And that was it. Yeah. So yeah, there, I mean, it was youngest to oldest and yeah. There was gifts from grandma and grandpa, and then there was a cousin's exchange, and there was an adult's exchange that was mixed up yeah. in there, and there was just so many people and so many presents that it, it was it was something. Yeah. It was something to behold. So, <laughs> and, then, and then I get to Jess's family, and, and it's just like, they're, they're a free-for-all, pretty much. Like, the big gifts get a little more focus on. Yeah. But... You know, they're farmers, so this is the one time of year that you get what you were what looking you for. <laughs> this is what we worked all year for. We're gonna we're gonna go for it now, you know? And and I'm like, I never put that much emphasis on Christmas and you get there and it's just like, All right, present time and yeah. you just like rip into it and, and I'm like, Nobody wants to see me. No, nobody cares. Open it, you know. <laughs> Say thank you and here, look, you know, when you get the big one, we'll we'll you know. Yeah. Make a bigger deal about it. That was, you know, talking about going... So, yeah, my, my family tradition is very simple that way in terms of my immediate family. Uh, what we would do is we would alternate Christmas and Thanksgiving between the Ward side and the Norris side. And there were... there's a, We only ever went to my grandparents on the Norris side. So they lived up in Akron, uh, Cuyahoga Falls area. So um, they were, you know, in the city. Like, that was kind of their deal. I mean, at whatever you can call Cuyahoga Falls as a city. Comparatively, yeah. they were in the city. And so we would all stay at Grandma and Grandpa's house, um, either for Thanksgiving or, or Christmas. And my cousins would come in from, at the time, Jersey. Mostly everybody else lived right there in uh, Cuyahoga Falls area. So my mom was, was one of three kids. She was the baby. And my Uncle Herb and his wife, Bev, lived in Jersey uh, with one of my best friends in the world, which was Ross, who was my cousin. And uh, they had, how many boys did they end up with? Four boys. So Ross, Andrew, Devin, and Jacob. But Jacob didn't come until much, much later. Uh, he was their, their attempt at a girl, and they got a boy again uh, <laughs> later on in life. But uh, um, so, so we'd all gather up, and we'd be there at least two days all together. And my, mom, my grandma had these, like, these, these fleecy, like, lamb's wool type things that she would lay out. That was, those would be our beds. We'd all sleep upstairs in the TV room or downstairs in the living room, depending on where par parents wanted us at that particular time. It was all just everybody piled into one room, 
you know, finding how you could situate yep. yourself on the floor to all sleep. Uh, that was the place where we would we'd watch TV constantly at night until you know the infomercials came on essentially. Uh, but then my cousin was a big you know he was a was a was a comic book style artist and 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 uh, well, you know he got me to love Star Trek and and sci fi and so we would talk these things and comic books and all these things for hours and hours on end, uh, playing X Men outside you know whatever it was that was that was our deal. Um, and so that one was much more centered around the house, centered around everybody all together, and always food. I mean, just always food. My grandpa was one of those guys who said that he'd never been hungry in his life because he always ate to keep from being hungry. He loved food, man. He was just like, loved yeah. it. Um, so always had good meals there, uh, you know, good family. Uh, but the, the inevitable thing that would happen was at some point there would end up being the family debate. And I liken it to the feats of strength on Festivus. Like, we will gather up, and until someone has won, we will have this debate. And you never knew what it was going to be. It was going to be theology or politics or or social theory. You never knew what it was going to be. But inevitably, it would start out in the kitchen and would make its way out into the dining room and into the living room. And it would go on for hours. it It would be two parties to start, but it would gradually expand with various... Uh, sides and lines being drawn. So you had my grandpa, who was your blue-collar Democrat, you know, kind of guy, union man all the way, worked for Firestone for years, came out of retirement three times to go back to work for them. I always jokingly said he retired and came back more than Michael Jordan. Um, (laughs) And it was right around the same time as Jordan retiring and coming back, so it actually was a very relevant joke. Uh, So you'd start the debate, and it usually was would start around where all the leftovers were because they had that my grandparents had a, a kitchen table that was a high top table and then they had the dining room so you'd eat the big meal in the dining room but then you'd put it all just pile it onto the kitchen table and people would just pick at it all day long whenever they felt like going back to it it was great um but it would start there and it would just move along and usually it started with my uncle herb and my grandpa and, uh, and it would just go on and on and you would just come in and then, you know, the, us, us as the kids would come in and me and Ross, especially we'd just kind of sit there and we weren't really entering in yet cause we were too young for that, but we were just like soaking it all in and realizing how it all worked and how you had a conversation like that. And it was never like, nobody ever left angry. It was never that yeah. kind of, you'd get frustrated sometimes because somebody wasn't understanding your point that would happen, but never was anybody angry. It was never one of these knockdown drag outs. We're not speaking anymore ever. Never like that. Yeah. Um, but that was so that was my experience with the Norris side. The Ward side was entirely different. So we would either go to my grandpa grandma and grandpa Ward's house, uh, which they lived in Zanesville, or we would go to uh, Indianapolis uh, to my aunt and uncle's house, my my aunt Priscilla and her husband. And um, those had a whole different feel. And I can't say that either one was more my favorite than the other. They were just different. So Uncle Moyne and Aunt Priscilla lived out in the um, out in the country. They literally had this lane, which I know I said it's Indianapolis, so it would have been a suburb of, of Indianapolis, actually. They were out, out in the country, you know. Yeah, it doesn't take long to get to the suburbs no. in Indianapolis. No. And so you'd drive down this lane, and their house was there, just all this property, and, you know, you'd hang out, and they had big Labradors, uh, this one that was named Jack, that just the biggest skull I've ever seen on a dog. He was just a brute, man, but he was really friendly, big, big giant, uh, gentle giant. But we'd go there, and and... This one, we were outside constantly. We would build a fire at the beginning of the week, and we would literally keep it going all week, me and my uh, cousin Joshua and my brother. Uh, we, were, we were the youngest boys. Um, and, and so we would go there, and it was just constant food, and we'd sleep in uh, Joshua's bedroom. And they had a massive house where they had multiple rooms in the basement and multiple rooms upstairs, so it was enough to accommodate pretty much the whole family. Wow. Uh, and there we typically still did a gift exchange where one would have a name and whatever, and you'd, and you'd do that. Um, and again, this would either be either we'd either be there for Thanksgiving or there for Christmas and alternating to the Norris side on the other. There was no debating there, but in that family, what would happen is you'd, you'd sit around and you'd hear stories or you'd go downstairs in grandpa's and watch uh, go through the slides that he had. Oh, yeah. And those were just so I have so many great memories of that whirring sound that the projector made and the <laughs> clicking. Yeah. Oh, it's just such a nostalgic, <laughs> nostalgic yep. sound for me. And I kind of miss it. I wish I wish I still had. And I know somebody in the family still has all of my dad was just saying when I talked about the moon landing last week, he's like, my, my grandpa probably still has slides of, of them watching the moon landing live. Yeah. My grandpa took a picture and it's in his oh, slide somewhere. That'd be cool to get those guys. You have to see if you, see if you could landing. snap a picture of that and get it on, uh, 
That'd be nice. Get it on Instagram, see if somebody can send you a picture or something. I don't know how deep Grandpa's slides are buried, but <laughs> I do somewhere. remember the projector oh, and yeah. all of that. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and it was the one time my grandpa would get funny. My my grandpa was a real quiet guy, but we would watch, and he would inevitably find something every time we were looking through slides. He'd find something to comment on. So maybe it would be somebody's outfit choice throughout a certain family vacation, and he would just harp on it, and it would be hilarious because Grandpa didn't talk about these things. But one of the things that I remember so well is he would he <laughs> there was one time when he got picking on my grandma's weight fluctuation in the various photos, and and she was a fairly tiny woman most of the time. I knew her and, and more on the fragile and frail side, but that was not always the case for her. And every time a picture of her <laughs> would come up uh, where she was on the larger side, and there were some where like, it looked like her buttons were bursting, you know, in the, in the dresses and blouses she was wearing, bless her heart. And, uh, and he, <laughs> he just got this thing where we were gathering around as all his kid, grandkids are sitting around and clicked one and he'd go, Hello, Marilyn, in his slow, <laughs> slurring way. And then he would go into that fatty, fatty two-by-four. But he oh, wouldn't no. finish it. He would just click on to the next one. And then every once in a while, he'd click back a couple to it again. And we were just in stitches because it was so outside of the norm for him. Um, but we would, we would hang out in that basement at my grandparents' house if we were there uh, on the Grandpa Ward side. And uh, as kids would write plays, and we would perform plays for the whole family. It was actually a strangely Mennonite vibe. There yeah. was really no TV. Very traditional. Yeah, if we watched yeah. any TV, it was old uh, Our Gang and Shirley Temple movies that we had on VHS oh, that we yeah. were on the little, you know, twelve-inch, you know, <laughs> screen that, that my grandparents had. Um, but mostly, we just we just hung out, we just played, we did all those things. But it was d- very different depending on which which side you were at. Uh, but equally great, I have incredible memories from traditions on both sides yeah. uh, that were awesome. That you can you can get the whole family together again, and it vibes like that right off the bat. Yeah. And it's different now, obviously. Having I, I have one grandparent who's still living, and so that aspect of it is very very different. Um, you know, my 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 grandpa Norris was really the hub of of our our family on the Norris side, uh, whereas um, I would say Grandpa, though he was not vocal, Grandpa Ward was kind of the hub of of on the other side, um, which before it had been my Grandma Ward, but she she died in the seventies. I never met her. Uh, she was a very different dynamic than my my what you would call my step grandmother, but was my grandmother. I mean, she's the only Grandma Ward that I ever knew. Um, and so, so it, it, there is an element of loss now going to yeah. fam, gr- larger family gatherings because it's like they're not here. You know, there's there's a huge element that's missing. It was you a know? moment in time that yeah. we're not necessarily going to get back yeah, to. Yeah, the slides don't happen anymore. Grandma and Grandpa Ward's house is no longer in the family. Uh, you know, the debates around the table don't happen anymore because Grandpa Norris is gone and their house is no longer in the family. And I remember my cousin Ross... We were talking a few weeks back, and or actually it's probably months now, but he said that we were talking about my grandma and grandpa's house and just all the memories that we had attached to it and good times and kind of reflecting. And he said, whoever owns that house, I consider them squatters. He said, that will always be my grandparents' house, and whoever lives in it and owns it now, they're just squatters in my grandparents' house, and that's just the way it is. Yeah. And it's very much the same way for yeah, me. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, we, I mean... As far as those debates and that kind of thing, that that's that's Jess's family. When I got in there, I'm like, ah ha ha! I found my people. <laughs> found <your> people. <laughs> These people can go for it. Get married into your people. <laughs> yeah, my goodness. I mean, I thought I thought I was kind of loud, or our families were kind of loud until I met her king side. Oh yeah. I mean, the women are loud, the men are loud, <laughs> everybody is loud, and yeah, there's there's no they they. Have, so King Christmas, since everybody's so scattered, uh, out, like there's Pennsylvania, there's Virginia, there's okay, okay. all kinds of different delegations, and uh, <laughs> but they all they all come together. But they've since Grandma passed away, she can't like we can't all go to her house right. like they used to. So uh, they have what we affectionately call the King thing, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and it happens sometime in January generally. And now I think we've gone to every two years, but this was a thing. Oh no! Like every year, the delegations would descend upon a particular hotel that we picked out, and that we get a conference room 
and we get several of the rooms. If, if, if of course it's a Mennonite your way thing, so yeah. we we found out we get a better rate on the rooms if we rent so many rooms, and we also get the conference room for that time. And it's a random weekend in January, and yeah. Oh man, is it a doozy? <laughs> if you go for the whole thing, you go home just thinking, man, I need a vacation from people. Yes. But <laughs> yeah. But we we got it down to like arriving in one morning and leaving that night. Yeah. So like that that would be about enough. But yeah, man, I I will say that I have really good memories of Style for Christmas. Um, the other side wasn't like we did Stauffer side for Christmas, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, more of the traditions that I have since we moved to Ohio after my high school, uh-huh. after my high school experience, we moved to Ohio from Pennsylvania and this new Thanksgiving experience is my favorite. Okay. It involves all my four favorite things, food family, football, and firearms. Those are the four things, and the reason that I love Thanksgiving. Um, the first day of gun season is always a deer hunting season. That You can get your shotguns out and go after them in Ohio is the Monday after Thanksgiving. Yeah. So you sight your, sight your shotguns in that Thursday because you got the time and everybody's together. You just show up somewhere where you can shoot and you just go for it. And that was my dad's house. Um, and we, he had this place in the backyard. We could just shoot hundred yards. Yeah. If you're on at a hundred yards then you know where you can start from. <laughs> so then inevitably somebody's gun is out of line. And so they're out there wailing away. <laughs> and then, then you get to the instruction mode and the adjusting mode and yeah, well, you're pulling it. That's why here, hold it this way. Here. It's your fault. Then after a while, then grandpa started like my grandma and grandpa would come out here for Thanksgiving. Yeah. And then they had their Christmas thing that they were still doing in Lancaster and I used to drag just to that, but as you say, when you get married, some things adjust yeah, and some things that got adjusted out. So yeah. grandma and grandpa come out here for Thanksgiving. Grandpa would bring along, he got this thing made for his gun. So it would hold his gun. And of course it's, I don't know that it was like, it was made for that, but I don't know that he went to a store and bought it. Okay. You know, so it was like a, a, a handcrafted bench rest. Yeah. Bench rest. And he, so that he could, put his gun on it and there was no user error at this point. So then yeah. we could sight it in. And so then all of our guns started going on that. So then, then the thing was at Thanksgiving, if I went to Thanksgiving, I had to go round up all my guns and I had to go buy ammo the day before Thanksgiving, get ready for it. So yeah. I had to have AR ammo. I there had is to nothing have shotgun worse. ammo. I had to have 22 ammo. I had, you know, there is nothing worse than showing up to shoot and realize you don't have enough ammo. Oh my it's, goodness! It's better to forget your gun, yeah, than to realize you don't have ammo. Because then, yeah, then you're not having any fun, and then you're the butt of everyone's jokes. <laughs> so that that was that was my favorite era of Thanksgiving. And my parents have since moved to a new house, so they don't have the shooting range out yeah. back. It's kind of put a damper on the firearms portion of yeah Thanksgiving. But I just love driving to Thanksgivings with trunks full of weaponry and. Yeah. Then I would take that to Jessica's parents because they would have Thanksgiving in the evening. And we do two Thanksgivings in the same day. And it's awesome. Both places do turkey. Both places do the full thing. And yeah. Yeah. Get... That's one of the things I appreciated. And I'm not saying that this is was your experience or your dynamic because I don't know that. But that's one of the things I appreciated so much about both of my grandparents. They didn't care. Like they knew that we were all scattered enough that we couldn't do every holiday together. But as yeah. long as everybody got one. Like mm-hmm. we were together, like that's all they cared about. It was like, it wasn't about the day. It wasn't about, it was, and that's a tradition that's really carried for my family on, especially my side of the family, because both of, both of my siblings, uh, married into blended families. Yeah. Yeah. I said that right. <laughs> and so that, you know, again, that's the complication of having a separate Christmas with mom, separate Christmas with dad, uh, and, and all that comes with that. Well, um, because of that, my parents just adopted policy like, we don't care when as long as we're together. So we do now, with my family, we do Christmas Eve, Eve, and the morning of Christmas Eve, <laughs> our, our family Christmas. So we'll go there on the night before Christmas Eve. We'll spend the night. We'll watch Christmas movies. We'll hang out. We'll eat copious amounts of food. And then 
we will wake up in the morning, we'll do breakfast, we'll do presents. Actually, I think we do presents, then do breakfast. I can't remember. And then we'll pack it up and all scatter two separate family things, which usually means that Kayla and I will just go home because her family is going to be in Virginia or something at that point. And Hillary and Tommy will go to his, uh, you know, church with his mom and, and family thing there. And Kayla and Melissa will go to, you know, her dad's or her mom's uh, for that evening. Um, and so that w- that's been a really helpful thing for my parents um, because some people uh, can be a little more dogmatic. Like, no, I want you here on the day. Like, it has to be the day. Yeah. And uh, and we have not had that experience. And again, Kayla's parents are the same way. Like, they're, they're just good if we're all getting together. And yeah. the worst ribbing we get is that we don't always go to Virginia, which is not even, it's more good-natured ribbing because they like it when everybody can go. Um, yeah. But it is always that's always an interesting dynamic is is the reality of a place that is Thanksgiving or is Christmas to you oh, being yeah. gone. Like that is a massive dynamic. I wouldn't say more so than people being gone and and having passed away, but I would say equally. Yeah, the place is every bit as important as the people yeah. as far as memories go and and what happens there. Yeah. It, yeah, you change the place, it seems like things are off. Yeah, yeah. and it's funny because you think back and you remember smells and you remember the way floors creaked and you remember, you know, the ways that, that I mean, I'll, I'll never forget the way that my grandparents' one bathroom smelled. They had one bathroom in Grandpa Norris's yeah. house, but it just had this, this talcum powder, like, slightly vintage vibe feel to it that I will always remember it. Every time I smell that, it's going to make me think of that. Um, I remember they always my, had this. My grandpa's big tube TV that used to, it was in like this wooden oh, yeah. case. Oh, yeah. That was a piece of furniture. Like this, and it yeah. Come, and it like, zoop, and it would come on. And then and when then you the shut it just... off, it would like, zoop, and the yeah. picture would get small. <laughs> and then there'd be like this green and red dot yeah. kind of in the middle that would glow for And you a bit. at least had one moment where you saw we tried to focus on it shrinking as long as you could to see how long you could still and make it would out just an image. Like sit there and glow that little dot. And yeah. I'm like, yep, I'll, I'll kind of always remember yep. that. And the place being so hot, it was oh. always so hot. No, no air conditioning in your, in your parent. In no, your grandma and grandpa, grandpa set the temperature and nobody oh. was going to mess with it. <laughs> see, yeah, my, my, my grandma, grandma, grandpa Norris did not have air conditioning in their house until, the last probably 10 or 15 years. But that's not a Thanksgiving or Christmas problem. No, no, it was not. However, it was a problem. You'd all get together in the house. Sometimes we'd get together like 4th of July instead, uh, depending on when everybody could. Because again, some of the family being in Jersey, like you got together when you could get together. And man, we would go, they lived just down the road from an Acme uh, supermarket. And me and my cousin Ross would literally walk to Acme, jackets in hand, because we knew once we got to Acme, it was going to be so cold in there that we were going to need them. And we would just walk around Acme for hours talking because it was bearable in, in there. And my, par- my grandparents were like box fans in the windows, you know, to try to mitigate the heat. And it did not work. But again, that's endearing to me now. It was miserable then and you just felt sticky and gross all the time. But it's endearing now. I would go back to that yeah. horribly hot house in a minute, you know, to, to have that experience again. Yeah. Um, but family traditions that we've we've kind of kept ever since I was a kid, we never really did the holiday day away. We would have family gatherings extended that were around the holiday, but then we'd usually be back. Other than Thanksgiving, we'd, we'd be usually with family. But Christmas, we were always home. And, uh, and we developed a tradition of sleeping around the tree. I don't know why. I don't even remember how it started. But us kids would, would get sleeping bags or drag mattresses out, and we would just sleep around the tree. And, uh, and so that has morphed now a little bit now that we're extending our family, uh, in my parents' house. So usually now the grandkids sleep out around the tree. Our kids have not gone into that yet because they're still just a little too small. Uh, but we all stay at my parents, you know, the night before and and get up. So there's still an element of that that's still there that we did through our childhood that still kind of is, is a part of it. Um, my kids want to do that. Yeah, and I'm like I probably should let them. It's it's really there's something about it. There's something about rolling out and there it is and sleeping under the light of the tree and like oh there's just something there's something about it. And as parents, it's just like yeah, it seems like a lot of work. Yeah, <laughs> just give them a just give them blankets and a couple pillows. Be like here you go, go ahead. That's that's it. Knock yourself out. Yeah, knock yourself out. <laughs> but yeah, and we had. You know, we had times where we had other people. I think I, I I have this memory of Bethany Root being around one year when we did that. 
And I don't remember what was going on that she was at our house around Christmas time, but maybe it was just a random time where we slept out around there because that would happen occasionally. Once the, once the tree was up and you had something to like sleep around, you'd just kind of do it. You know, it was kind of cool. But, uh, but yeah, so that's one tradition that we've kept with. Again, the way we do presents is still the same as when we were kids. It's just expanded more now because grandkids and, and, and spouses and all of that. So um, a lot of those traditions in the immediate family have now become the extended family tradition. And that's the weird thing where you're starting to realize, like, we are the extended family now. Yeah. Like, our extended family is no longer, like, our immediate family has become the extended family. Yeah, and uh, and that's that's a strange thing. That's man. A, that's a strange transition for anybody that's in that fifty, like in that range of like forty-five to like sixty, mm. where your parents are starting to get too old to host everyone, or yeah. or they've passed away, or yeah, they're they're in a life change situation where they're downsizing, and all of a sudden you you are now yeah the patriarch or matriarch for this yeah. particular family. And, and like, then you start transitioning to that rule and that that's tough on a lot of people yeah. to, to say, you know what, like I will get together with my brothers and sisters and all of them yeah. when I can. But what's important now is that is this legacy. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that's going to be weird yeah. in about 20 years for yeah. me to have to do all that. And we at least have the benefit of having, of having immediately immediate family close, yeah. relatively speaking. You know, at least large chunks of them. Like, yeah. obviously, my whole immediate family is right here. I mean, we live in Worcester, Smithville, and Orville. Like, that's where, that's where yeah. we're all right here. Um, so that's a benefit. But, I mean, the reality of if people moved farther away and, and moved out of state or did something like that, it would... It would be an interesting dynamic. And, but that's the thing that Kayla and I came to. Finally, we came to an agreement several years into marriage where I said, look, I feel like our priority should be as long as we're doing something with our immediate families, that is the priority. Mm-hmm. So if that means that we're doing Christmas with your immediate family, with the extended family in Virginia, awesome. Or if we're doing you know, family Christmas at my parents' house, awesome. But it's kind of developed into just the two the two families you know we don't really we do other things with the extended family but it's it's yeah. changing and and a lot of them are having grandkids and it's changing there too and and it's just weird how life moves on like that but it's interesting the things that you carry forward like yeah. i'm really interested to see what what will eventually happen when like you're saying like when i'm becoming the the grandparent as opposed to the kid or just yeah. the parent and what kind of traditions we'll maintain and we'll keep going. You know, I mean, we have, we'll have long discussions at my parents' house and not necessarily debates, but we'll, we'll talk about issues. We'll talk about different things that are going on in the church or, uh, you know, you know, reminisce. It's kind of a blend of what the Nora side and the, and the ward side were, which is as it should be, because we're a blend of both. Oh man, our, our Stauffer side, we would have debates, uh, at least, but not, not with the extended family. Like that was much more like there wasn't, there isn't you like didn't stir that pot. public conflict. Yeah, you didn't stir kind that of thing. Pot. But the that's how my father-in-law's side of the family yeah, is. But just our immediate Stauffer family, like my parents and my brothers and sisters, and there was there was a, a couple from our church that just had the unfortunate run-in where me and my <laughs> they were over at my parents' house, and it was like a first time of like, hey, you know, you're kind of new to your church. Let's invite you over for dinner. They didn't realize that me and my brother were both going to be there. And yeah, we got into it. Me and my brother got into it about marijuana somehow. Oh. I don't remember what it was. And then my dad chimed in. And then this other guy that was randomly from there from church chimed in. And, like, I'm not backing down. And neither <laughs> is Dennis. Like, this is going to go somewhere. And now all the lines are drawn. And then we've got people volleying in. Oh, and yeah. it's like... I hope you're comfortable with this because I hope you came well armed. I was I was best man in Dennis's wedding, and if his wedding was today, I would still be yeah. like, we're tight, and it's not going anywhere. But right now, I'm gonna beat him at this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I hope you hope you're good with this because, <laughs> and my dad is just gonna stir the pot and throw his grenades in from wherever he can. And I get can them. see the grin on his face as <laughs> he, he does it. I can picture it. And, oh and what's goodness. even better is when it's me and him or, you know, one of us taking on my dad, you know, but <laughs> yeah. And then I, I was like, that to me was always comfortable. Like that was our dinner table. We, we would destroy a topic. Yeah. 
that way and just go for it. And I never met other people like that. Like my Kunkel side was not like that. My Stauffer, extended Stauffer side was not like that. But Jessica's King family, oh boy, <laughs> they can do it. I love it. You know, and I think that's that's the biggest thing that I come to whenever I start talking about traditions like this and, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever. Yeah. And again, there was no ugly on either side, of, any side of, of family that I've experienced. Like, it's just always been yeah. awesome. And, and I have great nostalgic memories from that. And I know that's not the same for everybody, but I think that's why establishing or continuing tradition is so important because I it want... It can be difficult when there is ugliness. Yeah, without a doubt. To maintain... Without a tradition, doubt, but I because think, then you have to make a choice between upholding the tradition and putting on a happy face, right? Or scrapping it until people are better, yeah. Or and I and I think then, that's, then it gets used as leverage, where right, it's like, right. Well, I'm not coming until this is fixed, right? Or something like that. It right. can it can get, it can be ugly. People can even weaponize traditions, which is yeah, which is sad. It is sad, but but I think. Uh, what I'm what I'm getting at more so is that even if you're having to establish one, they're important. Yeah. And they're important to hold loosely to enough that you realize they have a season. Yeah. And there's going to be a time where you will have to pass the torch and let that move on with somebody else in a different manner, like we were talking about earlier. Yeah. And and I think it's so interesting because the reason I love Christmas and the reason I love Thanksgiving are all attached to the things I experienced growing up. Yep. And I know for some people it's the opposite. They have horrible memories from those times, and so they don't want to even think about that or they don't like the seasons or whatever. Or but in my, particular houses are yeah, terrible. Or, absolutely. You know. Absolutely. And again, I was blessed with not having to deal with that ever. Um, and, and so for me, I think there's so much importance, importance behind that, though, because I want my kids to feel the same way about these seasons that I did for the same reasons. I want them to get together with cousins and have a blast and do all of these things. I want that to be... Because so, so many formative things happened to me there uh, in terms of artistically, in terms of how to carry on a conversation like a person as opposed to like a kid who just gives mono, you know, monochromatic answers and doesn't, you know, I don't know, you know, yeah. actually, interesting. yeah, I learned how to debate. I learned how to have conversation. I learned what it meant to disagree with somebody and still actually have genuine affection for them sure. and not, not draw lines that were going to damage relationships. Safe disagreement. Yeah. And, yeah. and it was like, it was like, it's like rough housing as a kid. I remember hearing somebody talk about how rough Speaking housing rough is important housing, at Christmas. Oh yeah. We would rough house over the remote because my girl cousins Wanted to watch some dreadful show that none of the Doctor Quinn Medicine Woman. I'm sorry, it I was want so to boring. die. And I loved like that era. Oh my it was goodness, so boring. It is awful. It was, and you had that annoying pretty boy dude that she ended up marrying. And you're like, you're not even. I don't even know what it was because every time <sighs> it was on, I was raging and trying to figure out a way to change it. And yeah. then me and my cousin was who was bigger than me. We would fight over the remote. Or Christy, do you remember and, Christy? Oh yeah, all it was kinds awful. of garbage like that. It was that. awful. I did like the Anna Green Gables series though. That I enjoyed. I watched I, I remember watching it, but only because it was a movie. Yeah. I liked those those movies. I, okay. I found them funny. Because she was such a weirdo. Yeah, were, I kind of like that. There were some funny situations. The anti-traditional yeah. you know, yeah. Flying in the face of, of standing yeah. 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 Things all the time. That was kind of endearing but yeah no yeah uh, but yeah that yeah so but but uh, the, the point i was making i'm sorry i, I forgot that i was actually no, trying we to, used make to have all that. out i just remember now like we used to have all out like pillow fights or like tussling yeah. and all of that that was a part of the christmas experience yeah yeah without a doubt <laughs> and again you had siblings around so there was going to be some yeah. fallout at some point <laughs> But but I consider so much of what I went through in that time to be like roughhousing. And I once heard somebody say that roughhousing is important for a child because it teaches them what does not hurt. Yep. You can always tell the difference between a child who's been roughhoused with and a child who is not. Because a child who is not, like somebody gives them like a little playful shove on the shoulder and they'll fall apart because they think you're being aggressive and they don't understand. Whereas a child who's been roughhoused, they know it's like, oh, no, that doesn't hurt. That's just playing. Like, it's on. Let's do it. Um, and of course, inevitably, somebody eventually gets hurt in the roughhousing situation. Yep. So you learn your lines, and uh, and the same thing's been true for me of family traditions. Is it's taught me how to interact with people in a healthy manner, 
And again, I know that for some people, family gatherings have taught them how to be toxic and have shown them toxic relationship. But I think for me, my encouragement for you guys is just to say, you you can start a new line if you yeah. want to, and you can you can have kids and you can have grandkids who look at these traditions and say these are awesome, and this is why I love certain seasons. And, and again, whether that's Fourth of July or Christmas or whatever, but having these moments and these places that they could go back to in their mind and that it just encapsulate the goodness of being a child and the goodness of growing up in your family. Yeah. Um, and I want that for my kids. I want that's the biggest part of legacy that I want to pass on is is that same sense of family, that same sense of uh, loyalty, but willingness to to headbutt, um, yeah. but know that you're not going anywhere. That 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 the family ties are strong, and then they're not going to change just because of disagreement or 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 debate. Yeah, and I would I would say that it's important not to weaponize holidays. I ever, think a lot of people ever a lot of people want to pull on those strings in order to manipulate a s- situation without a doubt, and they realize that people have some sort of cultural obligation or familial obligation to be in these places. Yeah. And so then they use that as a tactic to get what they want. Yeah. That's not okay. No. Because there's usually kids involved and you're using kids at that point and you're using what could be what's supposed to be good memories of kids to solve an adult issue right which is stupid which is yeah which is ironically childish teach kids what it looks like when people honestly interact yeah and and teach them the the importance of a safe gathering where you can all let your hair down and just have fun in a trusting environment and you i mean I know that there is enough hurt to go around in a lot of these scenarios, and yeah. I'm definitely not pointing fingers. I've probably hurt a number of people at family gatherings. I get it. Yeah. You know, but it is important for kids to have that stability of, of something that they can point to as their Christmas, yeah. as something they can point to as their Thanksgiving. And they do take a sense of pride and ownership of that. So yeah. You you don't want to be the reason where there where a kid goes to school and is like, How was your Thanksgiving? Well, I don't know. Like they can't point to something that was yeah. that was fun or or right. formative. Yep. You know. So I, I do think there's a challenge for us as adults to cultivate an environment where these things are allowed to grow on their own and to become their yeah. own thing and to let the family function as they're going to function. Um, but to do it in a way that the kids enjoy it, you know, and I think, I think back through, and I think there was times where my parents swallowed some stuff to go sit down and have a good time. Us kids never knew that. Right. We were just busy tearing into the food and tearing the house apart. Right. Like that's, that was our job. Right. And yeah, I, I, I still, I still think, I still think that that's important today. Yeah. Like as, as even in a blended family situation, even in, you know, a lot of the chaotic situations that you get going on, be a peacemaker, be the, be the one that greases the wheels to make this stuff happen. Yeah. And that's what I want to be, you know, but yeah, whatever influence I have, I'm going to try and do that. Right. Right. (laughs) In some family situations, it means holding my tongue on the debate and others, that means just (laughs) <laughs> Jumping right in. Sucker punching when they ain't looking. <laughs> I remember this one time at family Christmas. Jessica's cousin Johnny is probably the best storyteller that I've ever met. And I think 60% of his stories are true. <laughs> but now, By that, do you mean that when he tells a story, 60% of it is true? Or 60% of the overall so, volume of stories that he tells are true? So, well, if they are true, then... There's some things that he might have to answer for. <laughs> but anyway, so he was telling this story and he told it in several different pieces to several different people. And at the end, it was revealed as a giant joke. Oh my goodness. And I have never, when he said the punchline, like her aunts were wrapped up in the story and they were like, well, what happened? And they had to know and they would like, and he would like leave and do something and come back and then like finish up different parts of the story and leave it hanging and go do something else and come back. And they're like, we got to know what you did. <laughs> and he gets to the end and he gives the punchline. And they at first were like, what? <laughs> and then they were furious. And they're like, 
you've wasted our entire afternoon and they were just we we thought that this was a real thing and they were just oh my goodness i've never seen something go down like that and it would be my dream to replicate something like that somewhere but oh my goodness I remember I I had something kind of like that once back when in the day when I used to do. There's a story of him pitching picking up a hitchhiker and their things, and then there was a punchline at the end when the hitchhiker got out of the car, <laughs> but <laughs> that revealed that the whole thing was a joke. I but. remember I was in junior high and I made up literally on the spot made up a story about a theory I had that all all fairy tales came from the same source material. Oh. And I would start listing, and I think I started with like Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, and then I started branching out into how all of these things became these other things. And people would randomly be like, well, what about this? I'm like, oh, yeah. And I would go on on that. I had no idea what I was talking about. I was just pulling it all out of thin air, to put it politely. And finally, by the end of it, I was like, I don't actually believe this. I said, I'm just <laughs> saying all these things to see how long I could keep it going. And people were really mad at me for it, but I was wonderfully entertained the That's entire awesome. time. I love stuff like that. That's the kind of thing that brings people together. <laughs> or tears them apart. Nah, then nobody's really mad about that. That's no. hysterical. No, it is true. It is funny. It is funny. Oh my that, goodness. As far as as far as the King thing traditions, there's there's Johnny's stories and Jess's uncle cheating at Euchre. Those two things are <laughs> nice. He's really not know. really cheating. He's yeah, just stealing the deal every time. Oh, okay, okay. I was gonna say, how do you even really cheat at euchre? Like that's. But I, 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 I do yeah. think he kind of chooses where he sits. Yes. And who said like? I found out I could beat him if I sat to his left or to his <laughs> right, but I couldn't if I sat to his left. I was done. Anyway. Oh man. Sorry. Yawn. It's all good. It's been a long day. Yeah. But, well, we can put yeah. some wrappings on I this. Say we'll call it a wrap, but. Uh, Happy holidays to you all, even though and, we're still continuing and through them here. And before we totally jump off the air, we did start a GoFundMe yes. for the show. Yes. And it's been our desire to have other people on the show. And I know you guys would like the variation in voices and yeah. and different backgrounds, different stories. There are some creative things that we would like to do and, and some really creative people that we'd like to have on the show. Um, and I just feel like it would add a different element. But right now, we only have an interface that we can plug two mics into. And we're using everything that we have to its maximum capability. Yeah. And we're, have we're maxed no real out options. Where we're at. So, so. Uh, we started a little GoFundMe and a few incentives there as well. You can check out our Facebook page, our Twitter page. Instagram has a link on there and the GoFundMe's up. Yeah. You, I'm sure you can find it. We'll just keep sharing uh, it. But yeah, we'll just keep <laughs> sharing it. Once the thing fills up, we'll start having some guests on. And, yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's a hobby for us. We're having a lot of fun with it. And, Obviously, people are listening, and, and we enjoy it, so we're going to keep doing it. Yeah. And uh, whatever mode that is is limited only by how much money we can throw at <laughs> this. So we promise to be good with it. Yes, we so, will. We yeah. will. That's we'll what send... we want for Christmas. Yes, that's what we want for Christmas is is <laughs> a new interface and some new mics so that we can have some guests on the show for sure. But yeah. anyways, thank you guys so much for uh, listening, and uh, we'll chat with you next time. Thanks for joining the conversation today. The Things We Say is produced by Nate Ward. Technical direction is provided by Sheldon Stauffer. You can subscribe to The Things We Say on SoundCloud and iTunes. Don't forget to like us on Facebook at The Things We Say Podcast to keep the conversation going. This has been The Things We Say. See you next time.